more. Consistency isn't flashy, but it is powerful. Whether it is consistent commitment to church or prayer or just doing the next hard thing God has called you to do, the greatest growth is produced through faithful obedience. We talk about the reward that comes from just showing up and much more on today's Dreamers and Disciples. Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Wade Joy. This podcast exists to help you reset your rhythms and renew your dreams. In fact, last week we launched a new seven-day challenge to help you do just that, to help you find healthier rhythms this year. It's the seven days to seven rhythms challenge, and I've heard so many great things already from those of you who've joined me for that. And so share your story on Instagram if you did it. I want to hear what new rhythms you've adopted in the seven key areas we talk about in the challenge. And let me know one uh, new rhythm that you've committed to for the next 30 days. So if you want to know more about the challenge, go back and listen to last week's podcast. I'll put the link in the show notes and all the details about the challenge as well. But if you've done it and it's been beneficial for you, then I would love for you to share that episode with someone else so you can invite them into this journey uh, to really embracing and adopting healthier rhythms that lead to a healthier soul. So if you haven't joined us, I'll put all the details in the show notes. Uh, We want you to be a part of this challenge with us. Now, let's get right to our conversation because I love this episode. I had the joy of talking with one of my best friends, Chris Brown of Elevation Worship. Uh, Chris and I started working together at Elevation in the summer of 2007 uh, when the two of us, along with Mac Brock, we moved to Charlotte to help build the worship ministry of Elevation Church led by Pastor Stephen Furtick, and we helped build what eventually became Elevation Worship. And Chris has faithfully led that part of the ministry now for 16 years, and he not only is just one of the most anointed and incredible worship leaders and songwriters in the church today, but I truly believe he's an even better husband to his wife, Beth, and father to his two kids. And Chris has been a very close friend to me for a long time. We've been through a lot together. He loves the Lord, he loves his family, and he loves the local church. And I think you're going to be so encouraged uh, by this episode of what we talk about. This is such a rich conversation. So let's get to it right now. I would say, Chris, that ever since I started Dreamers and Disciples, I've been dreaming about this moment. Every every episode has led to this. <laughs> this is uh this is what your book's gonna be about. This is what it's all led to. <laughs> My book is just about you. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise. It's gonna be some riveting content. It is. Um I was actually uh I posted something on Instagram recently where I asked who people wanted me to interview now that I'm incorporating some interviews. And out of the very limited sample size of people that responded to that that <laughs> poll, <laughs> you were the number one choice. So we're giving <laughs> well, the they, people what they want today. They understood you had limited options, apparently. <laughs> Not true. Setting I, the bar <laughs> low. Um, well, I actually was thinking the other day that outside of my family, I probably clocked more hours with you in the last 15 years than any other person. So we've done a lot of life together. That's 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 probably true for me too. That's kind of crazy. Yeah. Been on a few continents. A few continents. We've we've been on the on the B 
beach of Cancun vacationing together. We've done mission trips. Yeah, been all over the world. Yeah, crazy. Been to Monk's Corner. Been to (laughs) been everywhere. Yeah. Um, Well, this is a podcast about dreams and and how to hold our dreams loosely before God. And anytime I talk to, because I coach a lot of worship leaders right now, anytime I talk to people about elevation, about elevation worship. (laughs) They always want to talk about you and they want to know about like the big platform things and the the tours and the albums. Um, but the thing that I love to tell them about you is that while God uses those things and while you enjoy using those things, I feel like more than anything else, you'd love building church. And so I kind of want to center most of our conversation around, you know, why have you made that such a high calling and commitment in your life. And so maybe let's start with just looking at your background. Was this always your dream to be a worship leader, worship pastor at church? I feel like I know some of the answer to it, but I want to hear you unpack the road God had you on to get you to this place. Yeah. I mean, no, my dream was to play professional baseball. Professional baseball? (laughs) I actually don't think I knew this. Well, I mean, my dream is a nine-year-old boy. <laughs> it didn't really last past that long. But uh, but no, I, I grew up in a small town and um, I grew up with my dad serving uh, a church and help, helping pastor a church in a small town. And um, so I, I grew up with a, um, with a very um, normalized view of of just what small local church ministry can be be like and what it is. And I think I grew up with an, an extremely healthy view of what local church ministry um, is. My parents both did a did an amazing job with me and my sister of just modeling their love for the Lord, their love for serving his church and prioritizing family um, in in all of that. And so I think I grew up uh, just, well, I, I know when I was 17, I felt called to called by God to ministry and I knew it would pan out um, in, uh, in the local church in some way. So I think really since I've been, you know, 17, 18, I saw myself as a church builder. Um, and obviously there's like a number of ways, you know, God's church is built is built through giving, is built through serving, um, is built through pastoring from a stage, pastoring from a hospital room. But um, I think I I knew it would play itself out, God's call in my life in, in local church. And so it's what I signed up for. Um, it's, it's, like I said, it's what I've, I've known. I was a part of two other church plants basically mm-hmm. before Elevation as a teenager and, and in college. And so when you and I came to Elevation, I mean, we, we came with the understanding it was to help build the church. Right. Like all, all I knew was I loved music. I enjoyed singing. I had a little experience leading worship and I love the Lord beyond, beyond <laughs> that, beyond that, nothing was clear. I mean, what Elevation would become, of course, wasn't clear. Elevation worship wasn't, wasn't a thing. Um, we were meeting 
in this high school auditorium, right? Like there right. was nothing glamorous about it. Um, but there was vision and there was faith for what God could do. But still, I honestly had no idea moving to Charlotte would mean what it's turned into, you know, 15 years later. So, so you really had to choose between the two dreams of, of building church and then pursuing Starbore is what I'm, Oof. what I really want you to get into here. Well, yeah, it was a tough decision <laughs> and we don't need to go into that. You know, but, we, uh, we all have our bands from our past. <laughs> I'll just say that. I've got mine that I think I've gotten all evidence of off the internet, but maybe people search, search for Starboard, it's still there. Maybe you don't. You don't <laughs> maybe, need to worry about it. Maybe you don't. You can, you can delete that from this podcast. <laughs> um, but, you know, I'm glad you brought up what you did about when we started at Elevation because it was scrappy. It was not glamorous. It was mm-hmm. doing whatever it took to set up portable church, to pastor musicians. Um, but yeah. obviously, you know, the influence of Pastor Stephen and the church and Elevation Worship has grown over the years. It hasn't always been an easy journey. I think people can look at it from the outside and think it looks easy, but there's been there's a hard part of, of pastoring. And there are probably a lot of times where you could have taken an easier road and like pursued being a solo artist or a solo worship leader. And that that's not a bad thing. That's some people's calling, but but what has kept you rooted in the church, even in the seasons when it would be tempting to say, you know what, I put my time in? Well, I mean, I I think so. one, what I was mentioning a minute ago of like, I think I have always had this, uh, this internal belief of like, I mean, there's not another option <laughs> for, for me. Um, and I don't say that um, uh, like, oh, I, cho- I chose the most moral high ground or spiritual place. Like, of course, I'm always going to be serving in the church. Um, I always knew that I always, you know, I'll be here till I'm, I'm dead, but more like I, I really have just had a fundamental core belief in God's church. And, and I just, I, I love doing it and I've loved, you know, before, Pastor said this, I don't know, at a staff meeting years and years ago. I know you will remember it, but um, how like you discover your purpose while you're busy serving. Yeah. And I think like I've had, I've had now so many experiences and I've had so many years to see that truth actually play itself out that, yeah, I, I have... I've watched Elevation Worship become what it what it is, and I've seen God do amazing things through the through the ministry. But I've discovered, you know, my my purpose along the way as we were, as you just said, like setting up church and you know tearing down church, and um, and so all that to say, like when things got when things have been hard, and uh, you know you. You go through tough seasons and God knows I've made so many dumb decisions and I, you know, was believed in and put in position of leadership when I was in my 
early 20s, mid 20s. And it's like, what business do I have <laughs> trying to lead anybody? It's such a, um, but I, I think like now looking, looking back, I mean, I, we can't, we can't bypass the failures, you know, you can't yeah. bypass the disappointment we'll go through and still become the resilient person that God can trust with, with more responsibility or with greater responsibility, you know, like you, you only, you only earn, I think that, that type of trust or build up that resilience by going, going through tough seasons. Yeah. And I mean, I think, so I, I got, I got a ring notification yesterday on my phone and, uh, I was, I was actually in the middle of a, a workout and was huffing and puffing and the notification popped up. And so I just looked at it cause I was looking for an excuse to take a break. And, <laughs> um, and it was the trash trash service, um, coming to pick up the trash and dumping our cans. And for whatever reason, it struck me differently, uh, yesterday, I guess, because I was in the middle of a semi hard workout. Um, and I, it struck me differently. And I was like, I have so many privileges. I'm, I'm sitting here at my house doing a, doing a workout right now. Mm -hmm. And there are people whose job it is to come pick up my trash, <laughs> trash that like, you know, stuff we, you and I, we have, we visited places like Honduras and, I've spent time in, in Haiti where trash is piled 15 feet high. And all I'm right. saying is a little perspective um, can go a long way. And so that, that, that little moment on um, from on that ring notification yesterday of me, you know, looking at um, them picking up my trash and realizing how good I have it. I'm like, most of the time in my circumstance, not speaking for everybody, but in my circumstances, the hard thing I'm facing would pale in comparison to someone else's hard situation. Yeah. And usually when I'm faced with hard situations or seasons, one of the best things for me to do is zoom out. And more times than I'd like to admit, it takes other people or a conversation with Beth, my wife, helping me to actually get high enough and see that vantage point. But that's so true. Just the like gratitude being a lens to actually realign your perspective back in the right place. Um, totally. And you know, you had that garbage can experience, which is just, it happens upon you. We're like, Oh gosh, thank you God for giving me that perspective check. And you mentioned having conversations with Beth, but how do you keep your heart in that place? Do you have any practices that help you, you know, orient your, your heart there on a regular basis? Well, I, yeah, I think reflecting absolutely is one. I've started journaling again um, this past year, which has been really helpful for me, just getting out all kinds of thoughts and me knowing this journal is between me and the Lord. And I, I can, I'm meant to talk as openly and honestly uh, with him, but usually, uh, usually those, those entries, um, end up in a place of just me, pro of course, processing my emotions or processing what I'm feeling, but usually end up in a place of, um, better perspective than, 
you know, where I started. And I guess, you know, depending on the level or if it's like a level two hard thing or if like it's a level I'm curled up in a ball, you know, rocking. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like the the difficulty of what I'm I'm going through. But I yeah, I talk it out with Beth and um and it's I think she just often helps me see bring me to a place of like it's gonna be all right. It's been fine um before it's worked out. I'm still breathing. God's still being more gracious to me than than I deserve. And so taking inventory, whether through journaling, whether through conversations, going on going on walks, um, and and making sure that I put those rhythms in place have been so helpful. I think counseling um, has been really helpful for me. It's been a great tool for me through the years too, to, um, to learn how to process and go through, you know, hard, hard seasons as well. And I, I think like, I just, you know, not to sound all like a TikTok influencer, <sighs> David Goggins or whatever, and like, you can do hard things. You seriously, you can do, but I, I think we all know this, but the more hard things you end up doing, the more hard things you end up going through, the more resilient you yeah. become. And you do realize like you can handle more than you thought you could. And you're stronger than you thought you were. And, and I just think like early on, and of course, still my human nature, natural tendency would be to give up sooner but when when I do that like when I don't see the reward manifested right away or if I don't see the reward you know surface and manifest in a, in the way I imagined or dreamed up um it it can either halt you and put a stop to everything and and put you on the floor or like or you zoom out enough to go, what if the reward is, you know, something different altogether? And it's, it, it's meant to be exponentially more fulfilling yeah. um, than, than what I thought it would look like. And, you know, when I was comparing my trophy with someone else's trophy and, and losing and causing my, losing my joy and having my joy stolen just because I, I spent that time comparing you know, what I thought it would look like to what someone else's dream looked like. Yeah. As you're talking, I was thinking about when Paul talks about us running the race with perseverance and the only way you build perseverance is through training and it's through learning how to go through something mm -hmm. hard and realizing the power that you have to access to go through it. And as Christians, we have the power of the Holy Spirit. And so it's that mix of relying on his power and then also seeing the power that he is like what he enables us to do as well. And like realizing that even when we don't want to walk through those things, there really is a gift on the other side of it. You don't want to, you, totally. you never want to minimize the pain, especially when it's like something really tragic that's happened. And, you know, it's, it's the Lord never delights in his people suffering yet. It's the beauty of the gospel that we can take something from even the worst seasons of our lives and we can get stronger yeah. and we can realize if God didn't leave me then he's going to be with me now. And like good things take time to, to earn. Mm -hmm. 
And I think we, we, we do, we learned that the, the longer we're here, the more experiences we have, but that's why we admire somebody who's been consistent and been faithful for years and years mm-hmm. and years. And it's both because it's commendable, but also because I think we all innately know that it wasn't easy for that person at 65 years old to still be walking around with a smile on their face and have happiness in their life and be joyful. We think sometimes bad things are hard and good things are easy, but I think good things can be hard too, because a lot of times the best things you have to, you have to endure a lot of work and a lot of patience and a lot of sometimes suffering to actually produce the best stuff in your life. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it's like, you're you're taking cold showers right now just to put yourself through suffering. <laughs> just suffering. <laughs> but it's going to produce a reward and some fruit that, you know, is going to be so beneficial for your body. Yes. No, but seriously, um I do I, I'm totally with you. I think like there there is that um that psalm that says, Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. And I've um, one of my favorite books is by Eugene Peterson, A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. And he talks a little bit about, about that, but he just talks about like being on a pilgrimage, on the journey, on the long haul, on sticking with it. And, um, and obviously you can expect to go through valleys. You can expect to go through um, tough seasons, but I, I think consistency is just the most attractive Hmm. quality because, because nothing of significant value is accomplished right away. You know, like it, it's one thing for my, for Beth to tell me, you know, she, that she loved me on our one year anniversary. I want her after years of putting up with me and putting up with all my mess and my, you know, aggravating tendencies to tell me that she still loves me and that I remain a con, you know, a constant rock for our family's life. And so I, I'm just attracted to, to the, to someone who has stayed committed to the Lord and his purpose and call on their life at, you know, after, after years and years of doing, which it also like, I think that is another reason why staying in church is so important mm. because like young men need older men in their lives. Yes. Like young women need older godly women speaking into their lives, encouraging them in purities, you know, spurring them on to find their security and affirmation from their father and from within and not from culture. And so I, th- I think we need, we need those voices in our life and we need to seek those voices out if if we don't have them in our in our circle because we we gotta have that perspective or else like who else is around us other than the little voice we wake up with in the morning or at the middle of the day when things are hard and you know says yeah go ahead throw in the towel you know give Mm up we we need people spurring us on i'm I'm really glad you you brought it back around to the church conversation because it's so important because I think in our culture today, church is becoming more and more thought of as optional. 
you know, you don't have mm-hmm. you don't have to go to church. You, you know, we are the church, which obviously there's there's biblical merit to the fact that yes, we are the church, but I think there's also biblical merit to the fact that we need to gather together as believers and and be a part of a church. And I think it's the reason it's becoming more and more optional is because church gets hard sometimes. It gets hard to actually be committed to community. It gets hard to serve uh, in ways that are not always seen or not always appreciated. It's hard to give sacrificially. It's hard to hear the word of God preached and then be like, you know what? I need to actually do something with that. And I think when we just treat church as an add-on rather than a non-negotiable, we're missing out on so much of the actual discipleship process that that we're meant to go through. How have you seen that at play? You know, outside of being a worship leader, just in your own life, in your own family, how have you seen that consistency produce fruit in your life? Well, I mean, it's so true what you're saying. And I, I just, we need community and we need accountability. And um, I think uh, it, it feels kind of like, well, I've got a leg up because I'm on a church staff. So it's like this built-in, um, you know, rhythm that obviously I'm going to be at church a better is my job. But like, it's, um, for me, I, ha- I have seen it play out where it, it is so much of a lifeline. And my relationship and friendship with you after 15 years has been one of the most significant parts of my journey with the Lord. And you've been such an encouraging voice in my life. And, um, and you've held me accountable and you spurred me on and you've, you know, you know, sat, sat by me after my mom passed away six years ago. Like you, you have been a consistent person that, um, and friend that I, I need in my life. And I've, found you through church and God connected us and our families and our kids are growing up together and our little girls are best friends and our wives are best friends. And I think that's just, that's one of the most beautiful Mm example examples of like what I could say is, is important. And one of the, the best reasons of like why you need to stay plugged in because where else are you going to have that, that community of, of, believers that, that are going to spur you on like that and just stay with you season after season. Yeah. I love that. And I mean, I was thinking about that too with, with your family, how, I mean, you and Beth picked Ferris and I up from the airport, drove us straight to the hospital when the twins were born and like emergency surgery that night. And y'all were there in the hospital with us when Sydney was born. And, you know, y'all, we both, walked each other through some really hard moments and also some really great moments. And that's the kind of community that doesn't happen by accident. Um, And, you know, (laughs) on a a lighter note, I realized when you're talking about uh, old men or young men needing older men, we started (laughs) our our ministry journey together on the young men spectrum. And now we have, (laughs) at least I am crossing over into the old man spectrum. You might have a few more years. We're on the other end, aren't we? Um, but consistency really is so powerful. I used to hate that in my end of year uh, evals at Elevation when it would get said, Wade is consistent. 
as a good thing. And I was always like, that sounds so boring being consistent. But the older I've gotten, I'm like, yeah, that's actually, that's something that I want to keep working on and keep growing in. Um, and I'm learning to see it now as, as something that actually is a bedrock to our faith. Mm-hmm. I think it's like one of the highest compliments I do. I, I'm sure, I know I didn't always see it like that. It's, I'm sure it sounds very vanilla and boring, um, especially to, you know, maybe my 25 year old self. But now I just see it as like, that is, that is one of the highest compliments I could, I could get. And mm-hmm. I, I would definitely say that about you as well. Just your, cause your heart is set on something different, you know, mm-hmm. you know, you know why you're here and you've been through some really unimaginable circumstances in your family alone. And you've chosen to keep your eyes, you know, set forward. And I think it'd be just somebody listening to this who's walking through just a season where you feel like you're doing all the right things and no one notices. Um, just feel led to remind you that God sees it and that consistent sowing does lead to a fruit, um, to a harvest of righteousness. Um, one of the, the verses our family centering our, our year round is let us not grow weary in doing good for at the proper time you'll reap a harvest. And so, yeah, hopefully this episode will help encourage people not to become weary, both in the unseen acts of obedience, but also like mm-hmm. the contribution to church, which I think both of us keep coming back to being so important. Yeah, no, that's so good. And I I would say too, like, don't equate success with visibility. Yes. Like you you may be hidden for a, for a purpose and maybe you're, you know, quote unquote, hidden for, for a season. Um or maybe you actually need to take some time and hide yourself away instead of spending so much time staying public. But being visible does not mean you're automatically being effective. So I, I just, I know it's such an easy trap and I struggle with it. And I, I'd be hard pressed to find anyone who doesn't um, struggle with like, Obviously, I, I feel more successful. I, I would be more successful if I had more fill in the blank. But if I was more public, if I had more of a public platform on social, in a church setting, whatever. And it's like that it is just such a such a trap The some of the most. I think uh, important people that I admire the most no no one would know their name but they've been critical in my life because they've spoken they've spoken things that have completely shaped how you know how i've thought they've shaped the direction of our family's life they've encouraged us at just the right moments and these are people who who aren't quote unquote visible yeah you know but they would be very successful in in my book yeah uh I mean, what you're saying right now, I think really gets to the heart of the message of this podcast is that whatever sphere of life you find yourself in, whether it's visible or invisible, like success in the kingdom of God is faithfulness to the Lord. And it's and it's walking in what is God has asked you to do, no matter who is cheering you on to do it. 
And that's, it's a hard thing, but biblically, a, a lot of the people that we admire and did great things for God did not have massive platforms, and most of them had to suffer for their calling. And so it's, it's learning how to, to see that as honoring to God and not less than, but actually like this is the thing that God has asked me to do, to actually show what it means to have a joyful spirit in the midst of this, to show what it means to bless others when I'm wanting to be blessed. That's mm. kingdom right there. Yep, yep. Can I share, I just, I was looking up this one quote, and maybe this is more from a creative perspective, but there's this book, Art and Fear, that has helped me a ton through insecurity around um, writing and insecurity around creating things. And um, the author has this one quote that says, uh, it's not about what you have or don't have that someone else possesses, but rather that it just doesn't matter. Hmm. Whatever they have is something that's needed to do their work. It wouldn't help you even if you had it. Their magic is theirs. You don't lack it. You don't need it. It just simply has nothing to do with you, period. And I think like from a creative vantage point, like so many people, myself included, like we, we struggle so much with that trap of comparison that leads to such deep insecurity because we are constantly comparing our um our songs to someone else's, our ability to to lead the same way someone else does, mm -hmm. our ability to um, minister, exhort the same way someone else does, and and that that mm -hmm. quote with him just saying like, even if you had it, what someone else did or what someone else possesses, it wouldn't even help you because it's just <laughs> not like it's not in you, like it's not meant for you, and what you have. No one else has that magic. No one else like has the thing you have to bring. And I know this has been preached so many times and um, and I feel like it's it's a core message of of what you're you're bringing as well, but like it that that overcoming that insecurity, I think has to start with the place of just believing so much in like what you do have to offer and knowing like, just it hasn't it has nothing to do with someone else <laughs> yeah you know well let, let's kind of chase this for a second because you brought up insecurity and i think a lot of people would see you do what you do and you stand on stages sometimes in arenas full of people and be like oh chris doesn't struggle with insecurity he's he's confident um because i could never do what he's doing but can you talk about some of the insecurities you've wrestled with and, you know, even imposter syndrome sometimes and how have you been able to push through those insecurities to do what God's asked you to do? Yeah. I mean, I've, I've had so many and I've, I've been on such a, such a journey and I think it's helped, it's helped me through the years also realize like I haven't met a um, I was going to say a successful creative person, but I haven't met a, a person who's, who's, um, who I admire their, their art. And I haven't read about 
a successful creative person who hasn't and doesn't struggle with with this same thing struggle with like not believing in their work not believing in themselves and maybe in a in a you know backwards kind of way it's been an interesting and sometimes very helpful starting place for me to know like okay it's not it's not just me this is a this is a very unfortunate part of human nature um that we're we all have to learn to to manage i don't know i i would like to say overcome and i i know by the blood of jesus can overcome it but also like it's just one of those those things that i've um that i still have to just keep a gauge on and mm-hmm. and manage and learn how to manage it in different seasons and it it'll flare up and um but yeah i just i think i'm so well acquainted with my weaknesses and with the areas in my life where I'm lacking. Mm-hmm. Um, and more, more often than more often than not, it ultimately just as it should drives me to the Lord. Yeah. And I think that's the idea. I think that's <laughs> the, whole, the whole purpose. It's not to stay um, focused on where I'm not strong, but on how good God is to me, how he's graced me with his strength for today. Mm-hmm. And I think also like that for, for today, I know he's my source and I will have my daily bread and what I need for today. Right. And I'll wake up tomorrow in desperate need of the source all over again. Um, but I, yeah, pr- I, I, practically I've, I've just, I, I've learned how to, how to take my, take my anxiety and maybe in earlier seasons where I just squished it down and buried it and, um, and then went to counseling and learned, okay, this is something I've obviously need to process through and, um, and, and not just let terror, uh, you know, just flare up so much and then I just squash it but I need to learn how to, to deal with it. And, um, and I, I think like all the, there's practical things like breathing that, uh, that you and I've talked about, um, that I, I read maybe a year ago, like even when I'm sleeping at night, you know, I wake up in the middle of the night and I'm like, I got the craziest stuff on my mind, what's coming up, what I need to do. And, um, and, read this, read this article about like, you need to, you know, one of the best things to go back to sleep and lower your heart rate is to, to breathe in four seconds, hold your breath four seconds, breathe out four seconds, hold your breath four seconds. And like, I, I started putting that into practice after I read that article, like, um, and I don't I actually sleep really good. I could go to sleep at 8 30 PM <laughs> on any given night and be the happiest dude on the planet. Um, but there, when I do wake up with just an anxious spirit and my mind's racing, there's practical things like that, um, that I've had to, had to do. And then I just, pastor, I don't remember if it was this past Sunday or last Sunday. Um, but he was talking about, uh, one of the best things he does when he doesn't, um, for his, his mental state, 
when he's coming up on Thursday, Friday, and he's like, I don't have a message. I don't have a sermon. I don't know what I'm going to, what God, you know, wants me to speak uh, to our church on Sunday. One of the best things he does is gets a haircut. Mm. And his, his whole point is like just taking a step to signal to your brain, like, no, you can do this. Uh, so when I've been scared about stepping out on a, on a limb creatively or in a writing room or stepping out onto a stage again, that just makes me anxious. I just go put on my hat, put on the jacket, um, and put my in-ears in and let's, let's go to work and trust God with it. And, um, that doesn't, um, negate any of the preparation that should always be going in, in place and continuing to gain skillful hands um, and have skillful hands and, and everything. But when, when you feel like you prepared and you still don't, because it's one <laughs> right. thing to be scared and like, well, rightfully so. You haven't been <laughs> spending time with the Lord. You haven't prepared yeah. a set list and it's Saturday night. Like, well, right, rightfully so. This is on you. Um, but that's, yeah. That's so good though, because sometimes the things that are the most spiritual don't look spiritual. And, and so, yeah, you've done, the, you've done the work of prayer, of study, but then it's like actually taking the step to get a haircut or to do something that signals that you're actually doing it. It's forward motion and it's faith because it's mm-hmm. actually pushing you towards the thing that you're afraid of. Even like a couple of weeks ago when I preached at Elevation, pretty much after a year of not being on staff, I was super honored and excited to do it. Um, but I was really like the closer it got, I got, I started feeling like really nervous because of just how much I respect, obviously the, the platform and the opportunity. And, but then all the emotions of, well, am I still going to have the same voice? Cause I'm not on staff. And what I did after preparing on that Saturday and praying through everything and, I watched some old sermons of me preaching at Elevation to remind myself, you've been here before, God's going to be with you tomorrow. And it was just like that small Mm -hmm. thing that just helped me like take a breath and relax and gave me a little bit more confidence going into the next day. And So good. And as you're talking about all that, you know, I grew up thinking that humility was always being like timid and always being unseen. And there's aspects of humility that are about doing the un- not like seeking your own um, spotlight. Sometimes the most humble thing you can do is step into a spotlight when you're scared and you don't want to do it. You don't think you have what it takes, but you know God's asked you to do it. And I think that's one of the things I always respect about you so much is you've had to step into spotlights, not always because you've wanted to. And... Um, and I know you, you have your own internal battle like everybody else does, but I've seen you push through that. And like you said, just trust God and just cling to God and say, okay, God, I'm going to do what you've asked me to do, um, no matter if it's in front of thousands of people or if it's not seen by anybody but Beth. And I think humility lives on both spectrums, but sometimes we relegate it to just the, the stuff that feels safer to us. Yeah. I, I mean, I... Like, like I said a minute ago, I've, um, I'm well acquainted with, with my shortcomings. Um, so those are always there, but I think 
Um, I try to keep a healthy view. John Ortberg says, uh, keep a, keep a good view of your appropriate smallness, um, and accept it. Um, and like humility is like the, the freedom to stop trying to be who you're not supposed to be or stop pretending to be what you're not and accept, accept that appropriate smallness. And I think like it keeps you reliant, uh, when you, when you have a well-rounded view of, of who you are. And, uh, and I, I certainly am not the best manager of it. And, um, I've seen, been able to just be a part of like the most amazing things through this ministry. Um, but pastor said years ago too, like when you, when you really believe that your father loves you, it keeps you humbled in high seasons and reliant in low seasons. Hmm. And I think like I've experienced both high seasons that haven't been terribly difficult for me to maintain the reality. Um, honestly, that it's not by might or by power, but by the spirit of God that placed me on, on a mountaintop or, um, you know, put me in a, in a high season. Um, and I've been through some low seasons that have proven to make me more reliant on, on God. And I think like, you know, that, that appropriate smallness, David talked about it as like, you know, the way he, the way he puts it in, in the Psalms is like, what is man that you're mindful of him? Mm-hmm. You know, he had such a good perspective, son of man that you care for him. And I think David had, such a good balance of humility and confidence. And, you know, we kind of highlight the confidence he had or the faith he had to stand in front of a giant or the confidence and faith he had to serve at Saul's request to be in, you know, be given a thousand men to go into battle when Saul's motive was to have him killed. But uh, David still somehow is, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe 20 something year old, uh, was placed in charge of all that, but he had the, the confidence to do it, but he maintained, maintained a level of confidence. I think ultimately in God to, to just keep showing up and he kept seeing mm-hmm. success in battle, but he also had this humility where like he, he knew even when Saul was still King that, he wasn't going to listen to all the crowds that were hyping him up. Right. He, he knew he had the humility to honor the throne. He had the humility and was humble enough to not kill Saul in that cave when Saul was there looking to kill him and just cut a piece of his robe. And he was, he, he had this like confidence to do amazing, you know, feats of faith. And he maintained this humility to, to repent after he slept with Bathsheba and killed her husband, you know, like, Mm -hmm. so I, I think, I think the pairing is, is important is, is kind of what I'm always chasing is maintain a healthy perspective and hopefully have a humility of heart and still have faith to believe, you know, God for amazing things and step into them. 
either way. Yeah. And and I think it's impossible to have that healthy perspective and that healthy confidence in God and humility apart from a real prayer life. And I know that's something you and I have talked a lot about over the last, honestly, two years, but even more so recently about, you know, what God's been teaching me about prayer, but also the journey he's had you on. And I thought maybe this is where we could we could wrap things up is just talking about what are you learning about prayer in this season? What does it look like? What's stretching you or challenging you? Um, because I think that that would help a lot of people because they might see themselves as like, well, I'm not a worship leader. I'm not in church ministry, but all of us are called to prayer. And it is such, I think, an overlooked spiritual rhythm and discipline. So what are you learning about that right now? Yeah, well, I mean, cur- currently, um, I'm really enjoying sitting in silence. Um, and I've been afraid of it for the longest time, as well as like, I've felt this need to perform um, for for God in, in my, my time with him and say the right things and, um, and I, you know, make it through a checklist of things that, that I need to pray about or that I um, want to pray about. And it's, it is an interesting thing growing up um, in the church and growing up with a very good understanding or a, a basic understanding, I should say, of, um, of the value of prayer and the value of spiritual disciplines. Um, but it's so, it's so strange, like being, being my age, having walked with God for years and years now and still feel like I'm learning some of the most basic things and enjoying some of the most basic things from, uh, you know, like from in, in my, in my spiritual walk with him. And so I think like my rhythm, my daily, my daily rhythm is I'm, I get up and, um, for the most part, I have a chair that's in our den and, um, and that I, I like sitting in and, and I go there and I think for starters, it's, it's communicating intent to the Lord. And I got my butt out of bed and, um, I walked, I walked down and I made a cup of coffee and, um, and then I've, I've really started enjoying like meditating or starting my time in, in just silence and, um, asking wait, I guess waiting, mm-hmm. waiting on the Lord to, to speak. And in that, like, there's so many different thoughts that are, that are circulating and, um, distractions. And just this morning, it was like, I, I was sitting in silence and there was one, one thing that I was, I was kind of meditating on praying about. And my mind went in three, three (laughs) other directions, but like related to Mm -hmm. what I was, but an unhealthy relate, you know, relation. So it was the weirdest. And I, fortunately I was like, that's a, that's a really tricky thing that the enemy just did because I got there. What I, what I was talking to God about, um, something that I, I, I want to 
um, I need to work on, but it was a healthy thing. And then suddenly it's turned unhealthy and my mind is not in prayer mode at all. And I'm thinking about like, I'm projecting all this stuff. But I think like still in the, in the middle of that, I just, I understand like my, my intent backed up with my action to be with the Lord is um, God's, God's pleased with that. And, and I'm learning about him in different ways and through that. And, um, and so like right, right now, that's, that's, that's what I'm enjoying is like starting my time just in silence, waiting on him, understanding that waiting on, on him to speak. You and I talked about this a, a, a little while ago, but it's not even about the revelation mm-hmm. that may or may not come, that I may or may not receive this download. It's just about being there with the Lord. Well, I've taken a lot of your time, but we haven't even you really, have. we haven't, <laughs> I have, we haven't even really talked about worship. So that, that will be part two when you come back at some point later for the second Love installment. Um, Let's do it. Well, Chris, I would, this is normally where I'll tell people to follow you on Instagram, but I know you don't ever <laughs> post on Instagram, but I if don't. people do want to follow you, where, where can they go? You can find me twitter.com backslash chris.brown. All right. Look me up. Look me up. Do no, it. I, then, I don't I don't spend I don't spend too much time on, on social media. And um I, I think there's there's good reason for me to to post about the amazing things that, that God's doing, but good reason for me to not be on social media. So huh. that can also be a conversation for another day. Yes, it can. Um but Chris, love you, thankful for you, and it's been a great conversation. It has. Thanks for having me, man. Love you too. Man, there was so much good stuff in that episode. I think that one deserves a re-listen if you have time. Uh, And I would love for you to share it with a friend. If you think this will encourage somebody else, maybe somebody who who is being consistent and they might feel like it doesn't matter, they might feel overlooked. I think something like this would really encourage them to look at their life the way God looks at their life and they can see that what they are doing is making a difference for the kingdom of God. It's making a difference in the lives of the people around them. So who can you encourage uh, by just sharing a podcast episode? Sometimes it can be that simple. And so we also have a lot of great stuff coming up soon that I don't want you to miss. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out and you're always one of the first people to get the new episode. So thanks for joining me this week, and I'll see you back here next week for Dreamers and Disciples.